the great Hardball Harge. Hanging with Harge every weekday from 11 to noon right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. No piano for Harge today, but he was uh, on location somewhere. That guy is Carmen San Diego. I swear, I have no idea where Harge is going to be doing his show every single day. But wherever he is, he's bringing you the goods every single day. And now it's our turn. A little Trey and BK here on a Wednesday. We're with y'all until 1 o'clock before Chip and Zay. And then it is Wednesday, so fire the cannon with Megan and Rocky, will be on from 3 to 5. What's going on, Trey? BK, speaking of fire the cannon, I feel bad because last Friday, Megan, a.k.a. Fancy Boots, was at Covert B Cave, and I was in such a haste to leave to come back home for the 3 to 5 show, I didn't realize that we were crossing paths as I was doing so. And so, unfortunately... My rude, unintentional asshole ways bite me in the ass again because I didn't introduce myself or say hello. So, Megan, if you're watching or listening right now, I apologize about that. Certainly not my intent. I uh, look forward to doing the civil thing and introducing myself to you next time. So I apologize. What'd you do? You just saw her and you walked right by her and didn't say anything, didn't even look at her? Well, she came into the Covert Bee Cave studio and was talking. And I was in the middle of like trying to pack stuff up because, again, like I'm having to get back home by 2.45 to pick the kids up and then get ready for the show at 3. So I just I was just absent minded in that moment on top of the fact that it was you and I doing a show in person together for the very first time. So I just wasn't thinking straight. And I realized as I was driving away, like, shit. <laughs> now I look like a colossal asshole as, a, a, asshole as if my resting dick face already isn't enough. So, Megan, I do apologize. Well, Megan is watching right now, and she seemingly has accepted your apology. Excellent. So nice way to start off a Wednesday show. Trey being nice. What, what's what's going on here? Any other compliments? Anything you want to say about me or anybody else? That's uh, that's nice. This is rare for you. I think that uh, that you've got a real shithead glow about you today, BK. Uh, you know, I think Thank that's you. a. I have to steal the the term that you used last week. I hadn't heard shithead in probably a good five to ten years. I feel like we need to bring that one back. So it's underrated. For I forget who you called that who you called that, but it was a, a well-placed label that I'm going to start trying to use a little bit more on this channel. It's probably Brett Yormark. I feel like I've got a new <laughs> demeaning nickname for the Big 12 commissioner every single week on this show because he deserves it. He deserves it. Oh, man. All right, so you heard Harge and I talking about it before Harge wrapped up his show, and we've touched on it a little bit, but now it's Wednesday, so it feels like the focus has started to shift away from Wyoming and more towards Baylor. Of course, the conference opener between these two teams will take place Saturday night in Waco, 6.30 kick. Um, how are you feeling about this game right now? Most of our staff seemingly thinks this will be a cakewalk for the Longhorns on Saturday night. I am in the minority right now. I'm leaning a Texas win. I don't think that will change, but I'm also thinking Baylor is going to cover and make this game more interesting than a lot of us hope. Where are you at on a Wednesday with Texas Baylor? I've ebbed and flowed with regards to what I think Texas is going to do in Waco on Saturday. In the preseason, I thought that this might be a trap game for this football team. But as the season plays out, you have to adjust your expectations and admit when you're wrong. I'm not nearly as worried now as I was back in August, in large part because Lake Shapin is not this team's quarterback, and they're not very good at quarterback now as a result former four-star recruit from Lubbock who started out at Mississippi State and is now back in the state of Texas starting for the Baylor Bears. He sucks, dude. The rest of the team, they have some okay pieces here and there. I think Dick Reese is a, a really solid running back option. Great as a true freshman last year. Hasn't been quite as good so far this season. And they do have some decent pieces on defense. But overall, this is not a cohesive roster right now. And so ultimately, I do think that the Longhorns are able to win going away. Right now, I have it as a an 11-touchdown differential for Texas. An 11-touchdown differential? Yes. Is that 77 points? Yeah. Like, I've dialed okay. it back a little bit. I thought it was going to be a 14-touchdown differential. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for toning it down a little bit on a Wednesday. We appreciate you being realistic with your predictions 
of this show. You did say after the Alabama game that Texas was going to win the national championship. I thought that was far out there, but you know, forget left field. You're in the bleachers with this one, dude. 77 point win for Texas on Saturday, huh? I want to see them destroy Baylor. The oh, I do too. These two teams play as conference foes. Will that probably happen? Of course not. I'm being a little bit histrionic right now. But Texas should have their way with Baylor. Baylor is not a very good football team right now, as has been evidenced by the first couple of games of the year. Now you can say, well, look, they played Utah close and they probably should have won that game. Yeah, but that's also because Utah is a very flawed football team right now, too. They're not great offensively without Cam Rising in there. Quinton Daxton's a nice option at quarterback, but they're young and inexperienced and inconsistent at quarterback without Cam Rising. Still a solid defensive team, too, but Baylor has holes on both sides of the ball that I think this Longhorn coaching staff and their players are going to exploit. Yeah, I'm more worried about Texas trying to sleepwalk to another victory than I am about anything Baylor brings to the table. I think defensively, Baylor has figured some things out since getting ran over by Texas State at McLean Stadium in week one. I mean, if you just go back and watch that game, then you're thinking, oh, man, Texas is going to win this game going away because Baylor got punked in the trenches. I've said it a lot, and I'll keep saying it. Texas State looked like the Big 12 team. Baylor looked like the G5 team. Texas State looked like the 28-point favorite. Baylor looked like the 28-point underdog. And uh, the roles were reversed in a major, major way. So that game sucked. Baylor's defense has figured some things out. I went back and watched the Baylor-Utah game last night. I mean, Baylor had that game. They were up 13-6 to with like three minutes left. Gave up the game-tying touchdown. And then Sawyer Robertson, the quarterback you're talking about, threw a horrible interception. He got pressure up the middle and just chunked it up over the middle of the field. There were three Utah defenders in the area. It was one of the easiest interceptions that guy's ever going to have in his life. And then Utah, ultimately, they score the touchdown with 17 seconds to go. Should have been a dagger. Baylor marches down the field, and there should have been a pass interference called on the final play of the game, which would have given Baylor an untimed down at the one-yard line to score a touchdown to force overtime. Now, you're not wrong about Utah. Like, their offense in the same as it was last year when they had Cam Rising in there. But let's not forget, Utah beat the crap out of Florida, and Florida just beat the crap out of a top 15 Tennessee team. Yeah, you're so, right. So, like, Texas is better. There's there's no argument to be made that Baylor is better than Texas. If anyone's trying to tell you that, they're dumb. I just, like, one and two, you are what your record says you are. I get it. But Baylor, like, I don't think Baylor is just as much of a pushover as uh, a lot of folks do. And like you said, this is this is their biggest game of the season. Like, everything that Texas put into the Alabama game, I think Baylor has kind of put into this Texas game. Like, to where a lot of their goal this offseason was like, oh, let's find a way to win this conference opener and beat Texas on the way out. Like, this can't just be another game for Texas. Because Rice and Wyoming, those look like just another games for Texas. If they try to sleepwalk, if they have that slow start that they've had in two of their first three games, then I, I don't know if Baylor has enough to win, but shit, we're going to be uncomfortable on Saturday night. Yeah, and you have to ask yourself, BK, if Baylor does play Texas close, does that mean that we get the Mr. Hyde version of Quinn Ewers? It's Dr. Quinn and Mr. Ewers. Are we seeing Mr. Ewers on Saturday night? And if so... If that's the case early on, is Sark more likely to try and force the issue with the run a little bit more? I hope he is because we saw this passing attack struggle against Wyoming last weekend. By the way, a much more physical and experienced Wyoming team than what they're going to be facing with Baylor. And Sark thankfully made that adjustment in the second half. I want to see him make that sooner. If this passing attack is off in the first quarter, run the damn ball more. First of all, run the ball more to start the game. Mm -hmm. But if you insist on passing to to set up the run early on and it's not working and you have too many third and long situations and you're oh for whatever on third downs, run the ball a little bit more on first and second downs. Jonathan Brooks has earned that opportunity over the course of the last two weeks. If you insist on throwing to set up the run, don't. Yeah, that's that's my advice to Steve Sarkeesian there. Like, I... I I've been very annoyed, and I'm all about passing on early downs. I'm all about being aggressive. That worked very well for Texas and Tuscaloosa a couple of weeks ago. But you got to establish the ground game earlier than you have in some of these games. And Baylor's got the second-worst run defense in the Big 12. Shout-out to Houston, who shouldn't be in the Big 12 the way that they've played over the first three weeks of the season. 
The Baylor's run defense, hell, going into last week before they played an FCS team, was far and away the worst in this conference. And like you said, it's way worse than Wyoming. So, C.J. Baxter should be back. Jonathan Brooks is coming off the best game of his Texas career. Run the dang ball. In the words of that fake mom in that movie that's a bunch of crap that we found out about, run the dang ball, Steve Sarkeesian. Like, that That should make things easier for Quinn Ewers. Use the run to set up the pass. The play action should be there. That could open up some deep shots if Baylor feels like they need to stack the box a little bit to slow down the Texas run game. Like, run the ball first to try to set up the pass. Plus, Trey, you brought this up yesterday. You got DJ Campbell in at right guard now instead of Cole Hudson. DJ Campbell is a much better run blocker than pass blocker right now. So your offensive line, I think, is better suited for the ground game this weekend. That should be a strength of Texas. That is a weakness of Baylor's defense. Run the freaking ball. And speaking of spots where Baylor is good versus not so good on the defensive side of the ball, BK, which speaks to running the ball a little bit more if you're Texas, I love that. Uh, Baylor defense against the run stat there. And it makes sense when you think about the fact that two of their best defensive players are defensive ends. But for that to work and what Dave Aranda wants to do defensively, they need a guy who can take on one dude for sure, but usually two blockers to free up the linebackers to make plays. They're pretty soft up the middle, relatively speaking, and they're not all that talented at linebacker right now either. So you neutralize what is a potential strength with those edge guys who are good at setting the edge, but also getting after the quarterback on those obvious passing downs and exploit a major weakness for that defense right now. Let's hear from the two head coaches talking about this game. We'll start with Dave Aranda. Try to stay awake for this one, Trey. Oh, my God. I mean, this this guy sucks, dude. This guy could not be more boring if he tried the first question Dave Aranda was asked at his game week press conference on Monday was about Texas and the fact that, hey, this is the last time for the foreseeable future that the Longhorns and Baylor Bears will be on the same field at the same time. Here's Dave Aranda when asked about the importance of this matchup. No, I appreciate that. We are going to talk about that. You know, I think as an aside to that, but probably not an aside, is um, I can't tell you how many times um, this offseason it's been um, – Hey, Dave, just win one game, please. You know, and so that has been brought up to me multiple, multiple times. And so, um, you know, I can, I, I, I sense it and I know it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, blessed and more blessed to be able to do something about it. And so, but we're definitely going to talk about the history and just some of the bigger games in the past. Uh, because I think that's way important with something like this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, that was pretty boring. I stopped listening about halfway through, if I'm being completely honest right now, answering a a text message. So, you know, the interesting thing about Dave Aranda, though, is that he is a fun guy to talk to in person. I'm guessing in this press conference format, though, he's trying to give as little as possible to those asking questions, and I don't fault him for that. Yeah, it's just his personality, man. And he's kind of like that on the sideline, too. He talked about Matt Campbell losing his mind with some of the histrionics he has on game day. Like, Dave Aranda uh, looks like it's a scrimmage every time he's on the sideline. Like, he just stone-faced and relaxed and calm. That's just his demeanor. It just sucks when you're having to cut up a press conference for him. But that's who he is. And that's the chess match this weekend, right? Sark, great offensive mind. Dave Aranda, great defensive mind. I I know Baylor's defensive numbers this year aren't great, but that guy was awesome at LSU, and he's had a couple of really, really strong defenses in Waco too. So uh, I would, you know, hearing that, a couple of things. This is a big game for Baylor. And Texas fans say every year, oh, we're everybody's Super Bowl. Well, this year's a little bit different. Uh, I'd also like to tell Texas fans in years past that, you know, teams try against other teams. It's not like teams only try against you, but this year, obviously different. Like think about, think about the bragging rights that we've had over A&M because of that 2011 game. 
Now, even if AM won that game, Texas has dominated that series. So we could always point to like, ah, look at the all-time score. But like, holy shit. I mean, in every Texas game, we still play that kid. Like, that's a huge game. And we had a what, 12? It'll end up being a 13-year gap before Texas and AM played again. And we've all brought that up to our Aggie friends and enemies over the years. This could be the last time for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And even though Texas has historically owned Baylor, like Baylor fans, if they're in your life, if they win this game on Saturday, they're going to be talking some noise. Dave Aranda basically told you that this is a huge, huge game for them. So Sark, I don't want to hear the, they did some things we weren't expecting to do. Expect the unexpected, dude. They're going to be pulling out all of the stops to try to beat you on Saturday. You cannot be as vanilla as you were against Rice or Wyoming and expect to find a way to win this game. That is a great way to put it, DK. Expect the unexpected, not just this weekend, but going forward too. Teams are going to have wrinkles when they face you, not just because you're Texas, but probably more so because you're a really good team. And to beat really good competition... You have to be willing to mix it up and catch them off guard, even if it means doing something that you haven't put on tape just yet. By the way, I agree with DJ here. He doesn't suck. He's just chill. Dave Aranda is the ultimate example of stoicism, a guy who doesn't get too high, too low. He's probably, honestly, maybe a little bit robotic out there, especially when you consider what? He wins that Big 12 championship game a few years ago and barely even cracks a smile at that point in time. But I would much rather have it that way than the other example that you gave, which is Matt Campbell damn near having an aneurysm because of a call that he feels like is going against his team that when you watch the replay isn't actually going against his team. There's a middle ground there too, obviously. But if I'm picking one of those two personalities for my football team, it's going to be Dave Aranda. And I feel like Stark, Stark, although he shows some fire at times, and I do like that, is more stoic on the sidelines, a la Dave Aranda. Well, unless you're the guy telling the team to run out onto the field before the Alamo Bowl, he'll be stoic unless you're that dude because you stay out of that guy's effing way, all right? Well, look, that guy That guy not only tried to, to hit a double in that situation, he completely skipped first base in the process. I just went straight for the chest oh, touch. Oh, yeah. If somebody grabs, look, I've got a good chest. If some random person just grabs my chest, that is going to piss me the fuck off. Not a random person. His job was to hold him back. Yeah, but you don't get to you don't get to feel Steve Sarkeesian up like that, though. There was a little bit of a squeeze there. <laughs> and he skipped oh, first man. base in the process. It's like he hits the ball into the outfield and you run straight over the pitcher's mound and ends up on second. That's not okay. You wanted him to make out with Sark before he did that? What's that? You wanted him to make out with Sark before he did that? That that was what you were hoping to see there? Buy him a meal or a beverage or maybe have like a five to ten minute conversation beforehand. Oh, you know man. how this goes, BK, with, with the, all the victims that you're meeting down on Dirty Sixth Street and elsewhere having moved back to Austin. You don't just go straight in for that move. You're at least faking it for a few minutes first. I had to buy them all dinner before I made that move, I'd be broke or <laughs> I would have hooked up with 1% of the women that I've hooked up with in my life, I think. Yeah, but you've at least put in, I don't know, 15 minutes of charming BK conversation before doing so. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I hate when it takes that long, but sometimes it is 15 minutes. You're right. You are right. Okay, Jake, right, Lord, yes, we are talking about that. It was completely warranted completely warranted that guy should not have grabbed his man boob like that. <laughs> oh man but that's uh what a story that was I'm, I'm almost glad this channel hadn't started yet so we didn't really have to talk about that in real time because that was obviously a talking point one of many from the bowl game because that's the last game your team plays for like eight months so that's kind of what you're stuck with for a while but uh yeah obviously when that went viral not uh, not the best look for Sark and maybe not the best look for hands team guy on the other side as well. All right, so let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian because he was asked a relatively similar question, worded differently, but he was asked about, you know, this being the last matchup between the Horns and the Bears. And he was basically asked a question about, hey, could you foresee 
Texas and Baylor squaring off again. And here's what Sark had to say on Monday. Well, I think that's a, that's always a hard one um, because the moment you play one of them, the other one's going to be even more upset. Why isn't it us? And so, I, you know, again, all I can do is focus on the teams we play. And I and I recognize these are great rivalries and, and games that have been played for a long, long time. Um, you know, if that's the direction it ends up going into, that that'd be great. I think it's great for the state of Texas and, and so on and so forth. But some of that is obviously out of my control uh, of what we do there. But I do think one of the challenges with that is you play Baylor, Tech's upset. You play Tech, TCU's upset. You know, you play TCU, Houston's upset. They, they finally just got in the conference. And so it kind of just – there's that trickle-down effect. And so where it goes moving forward, I'm not really certain. Um, I know we're excited. Next year we get to play A&M again, which we haven't been playing for some time. So you can't play everybody. All you can do is just try to you know play the schedule you have and play it as good as you can. I appreciate Steve Sarkeesian's diplomacy there, but Steve, let me help you out. It is an easy one. No, we're not playing them anymore. If there was anybody that was maybe going to receive that honor, it would be Texas Tech, but we're not even going to allow Texas Tech to be part of our future plans, at least in football. They may do something akin to Texas baseball facing AM annually or the basketball team. Seems like they, uh, every couple of years, will get together with AM. Sometimes it's in the early season tournament format. Sometimes it's in a preseason game. We're not playing you guys for a long time in football unless we have to in some sort of bowl game setting. You have no interest in playing any of those teams again? I would consider playing tech, but at this point, we just need some distance. It's like trying to remain friends with an ex soon after you guys break up. Like there's going to be much more hurt feelings on one side or the other. And quite honestly, for me as a Longhorn fan, I feel like it would turn a little bit into what was happening between Texas Tech and A&M in the late 90s and early and really throughout the uh, the 2000s, the, the 20 aughts, I guess is what they're called where Texas Tech considered that much more of a rivalry than A&M ever did. A&M looked at Tech as little brothers, and Texas Tech beat them routinely as a result, too. I think something similar might be at play between Texas Tech and Texas if they were to just continue this, let's say, starting next season. So maybe give it five years, perhaps more than that. I do love a lot of Texas Tech people, so I would like at some point to get back to that, if not every year, maybe in every couple years sort of deal. But for right now, no, we're going to let everything cool. I think I'm in the minority, but I want to play at least one of those teams every year. Mm. Like, just make that one of your non-conference games. You either play Baylor, you either play Tech, you either play TCU. Like, I was mad when AM left that Texas didn't get to play AM every single season. Now I get it. AM's a bigger rival than any of those three teams that I mentioned. So there's more importance of getting that game played every year than getting these other games played. And I'm not saying you play all of those teams every single year. I'm saying you play one of those teams every year and you just rotate between those three. Because uh, that's the worst part of conference realignment is the shakeups with these rivalries and the fact that they just go away. Like OU and Oklahoma State, them not playing, that sucks. Because my cousin bets on Oklahoma every year and always wins. And I hate that I'm missing out on that. I still hate that we don't play Nebraska every couple of years. I still hate that we don't play Colorado every couple of years. Like that, I I, I don't know. You know. Every Texas fan now, I see CB in the comments, F those teams. Like I I don't know where, where we became that team. We're like, oh, I guess we're better than everybody else. But we are we are doing what A&M did when they moved to the SEC. If you're cool with that, that's fine. Just letting you know, if you're on the side, like, we don't want to play them. We're better than them. We don't need them. It's exactly what AM did. That's exactly what a lot of Texas fans criticized AM for doing. So your, your opinion is your opinion, but I, I think Texas should play at least one of those teams every year because those games are fun as hell. You mean to tell me you wouldn't be locked in? You mean to tell me the crowds at those games wouldn't be spectacular? Like that, I, I want those games on the schedule, man. So you're going to miss Texas and West Virginia? No, no, not that one. Not that one. Uh, I kept it in state. I didn't say Oklahoma State for Texas or Iowa State or West Virginia or, hell, even the Kansas schools, although I love the BK Bowl every year between Texas and Kansas. Like, I, I don't care too much about playing those teams, but the games that clearly matter to people in the state, like they might matter more. 
they do matter more to Baylor than they do to Texas when these two teams play. But like they, they matter to Texas and they matter to the state. And I think those types of games needs to happen because those games are what makes college football great. It's interesting that you miss Texas, Nebraska and Texas, Colorado. Like I could maybe understand Nebraska, but considering that that program has completely sucked since they left the Big 12 and well, pretty much for the entirety of their participation in the Big 12, too, if we're really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Colorado, much less so, though. Like, I had no use to to play Colorado anymore. I know that we curb-stomped them in that 2005 Big 12 championship game, and they got theirs in 2001 in that Big 12 championship game in Arlington, but ultimately, I had no use for either of those two teams when they left. Missouri also, like, obviously, A&M is the shining example of why conference realignment sucks. And this is going back more than a decade, obviously, when they made that initial move to the SEC. But some rivalries go away and other rivalries grow out of it too. So while we're losing Texas Tech, we're probably going to gain Arkansas as an annual opponent at some point in the near future. As a matter of fact, Inside Texas is reporting some of what they're hearing about the future of SEC scheduling today. And it's a lot of the stuff that we've talked about in the last couple of years now, where the SEC starting in 25 or 26 is going to move to nine games. I think it's starting in 25. Move to nine conference games, and they're going to operate with those four pods of four teams each, with Texas likely ending up with AM, OU, and Arkansas, which is an absolute rivalry gauntlet in terms of the games that they play each and every year to go along with all the other teams and the SEC too. So while you lose Texas Tech, and I'd say Baylor to a lesser degree, I, I do think they hate us more than we hate them. Sure. We're gaining Arkansas in the process. So what you uh, lose in that Baptist hypocrisy you're making up for in pure inbreeding in the Ozarks. The Baptist hypocrisy in exchange for the pure inbreeding in the Ozarks. Any future first-round picks in that deal? Any cash considerations going from one side to the other? Oh, boy, that's a, a good question. Do we uh, do we ease up on the no-dancing rules in Waco? <laughs> and ease up on kissing cousins as long as there's like two generations difference or something? I don't know. Somebody call former Cleveland Indian center fielder Kenny Loggins to, uh, to help with this. We need that guy. <laughs> I think I'm getting my story straight there. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. All right, we'll take your thoughts. The text line, 512-222-9328. One of our internets is not working that great today, apparently. So apologies if we've got a little bit of a delay. Uh, It might be me. I might have to reset the router at the end of uh, all of the shows today. But hopefully, not too bad. Uh, But Rectum could be giving me issues. And it's never a good thing when Rectums are giving people issues. So... We'll, uh, we'll figure out what's going on with that. Hopefully we sound and look okay. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. Have you ever heard what the setup is for the punchline that goes rectum damn near killed them? Like, I feel like I've heard that punchline going back 30 plus years now. I don't know what the setup to that joke is though. Yeah. I don't know if there is a setup. I just figured it's anytime somebody says rectum, you just say that, but there's gotta be an origin, right? Somebody said that first. And it would make sense that it happened in a stand-up type of situation, right? Yeah. Buckle up. My dogs are about to start barking because I have a door-to-door salesman who is about to <laughs> knock and or ring the doorbell. So just what is it, B- BYU fans? We're not playing BYU yet. Oh, is it Baylor fans? What are they? Are they trying to convert you? What's going on here? Not wearing the uh, short sleeve collared button-up with a black tie. Ooh. All he did was put something in the door, and I think my lazy sleeping dogs didn't see him. So we uh, we lucked out there. By the way, Fancy Boots, completely understand what you say there about not wanting to go to Lubbock ever again. I went to school at Texas Tech for a year and a half, and if I never go to Lubbock again, I will be totally fine with that. Even though Lubbock does have a small amount of charm if you visit there maybe once every 10 years or so. As soon as you get there and you start to revel in the charm and then the wind shifts direction and you smell the uh, the aroma of the slaughterhouses on the outskirts of town when the, the wind is blowing from east to west. It's a creepy drive at night, too, with all of those blinking red lights coming from the windmills yep. out there on the South Plains. First time I made that drive was at night and it was freaking terrifying, man. 
Uh, I think I've been to Lubbock three times in my life. They were all in college. Like half of my high school went to Texas Tech. So I just went to visit friends either when Texas was playing there or just for like their equivalent of Roundup. It was called Low Hoop. And I, I, I love that city, man. If I went back now, I'd hate it. There's zero doubt in my mind I would hate it. But as a college kid, man, there's uh, there aren't many better places to, to college, at least for a weekend, than Lubbock, Texas. It is a drunken hookup paradise if you're in college. Yep, that's that's why I loved it. I fell in love like 10 times every time I uh, took my talents to Lubbock, Texas. Did you ever participate in one of the calf fries? I did not. No. You? Yeah, when I was a student there, I had some people come and visit, which of course the calf fry, I forget what the festival is called that they hold around that. But I mean, it is frying up cow testicles and everybody's just getting wasted in a field and the uh the one food that you're really consuming is fried cow testicles Mm. rocky mountain oysters yeah i think that's why i missed that i don't think i had any interest in being a part of eating those now the drinking in the field sign me up i'll do that today if anyone has interest but the other part of that deal no thank you it I mean, it was it was a little bit gummy, but it's also something that's been deep fried. So even knowing exactly what it is, it wasn't completely disgusting. I'd rather deep fry my shoe and eat it, dude. I ain't eating no nobody's testicles fried, blackened, grilled, George Foreman air fried. No chance, brother. I don't want to hear this out of you. You eat Taco Bell regularly. Do you understand some of what is going into that food? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's dog and cat meat, but it's not coming from there. It's it's just the rest of them. It's just this, they just find the stray cats outside in the back alley and boom, there's my burrito. That's like whatever, but they don't, they separate the parts. Spotted dog dick is what makes up that quote unquote ground beef that you're eating in those tacos. Oh God, I'm going to throw up, but it's probably for the best that Taco Bell is not a sponsor of us, but hey. We do have some great sponsors that we do love that don't have animal testicles involved in any way, shape, or form. We'll start off with the recorded spot from our friends at Audio Visual Consultations. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audio Visual Consultations. And Camilla McKay. Kid, what time is it? Oh man, it's back to sports time. The hockey and football seasons are upon us. And baseball is winding down to the best part. And what about basketball season? I'm 5'2". Who the hell cares about basketball? Yeah, we're talking about watching, not playing. And in that case, you've got everyone covered, right? That's right. Audio Visual Consultations has been providing awesome systems and service throughout Texas for over 30 years. Installing home entertainment systems and livening up restaurants with incredible audio and video systems. We're talking multi-screen video walls. And home entertainment that puts you in the best seat in the stadium. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678. Hey, aren't you forgetting something? Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. Hug your kids until they beg you to stop. Watch a game with your friends. And make love to whoever the hell you want. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678 or visit us at avconsultations.com. Go Stars! Go Bruins! Kid. (laughs) Go Stars. Always. I'm jealous of Tom and his hug your kids until they beg you to stop slogan because one of my kids refuses to let me hug her anymore. My son thankfully does. He's a little bit more sensual. My daughter is like, get the hell away from me, dad. Yeah, well, your son's going to have that happen at some point, too. You reach a certain age and it goes away, right? I like as as a kid, I couldn't stand it, man. I hit a certain age and it's like, I don't want to I don't want to be seen hugging you. It's so embarrassing in front of my friends. Ew, gross. And then you get to a certain age where the opposite hits to where it's like, oh, man, you realize that time on this earth is numbered and you got to cherish all of those moments that you have with your loved ones. So, but they're, they're in that phase and yeah, your, uh, your son will get to that phase too, man. I, you know that you don't need kidless BK to tell you that. Let a girl dream, please. <laughs> Shout out to Barry Sorrell. Hey, Hey, hey. Sorrell, showing up and showing out against the Wyoming Cowboys this past weekend. Congratulations to you, Barry, and of course to your son as well. And I'd like to give myself a little bit of credit for Baron Sorrell's success because during the pregame show we did out at Covert Bee Cave with Bucky and me, 
My prediction for the defensive player of the game was Baron Sorrell. I'm like, this is this is the game. This is the game. He shows up and show out. I said Jonathan Brooks was going to be the offensive player of the game, and Baron Sorrell was the defensive player of the game. I think I went two for two on that one. But yeah, great to see. Great to see from Baron Sorrell, and uh, hopefully we see more of that this weekend and over the rest of the season too. Slight disagreement on defensive player of the game. This is no slight to Baron because it did feel like a bit of a weight lifted on him on what I consider to be the play of the game. That sack that he had on third down that forced Wyoming to kick a field goal, even though it tied the game at that point, that was a huge moment. And Texas obviously was able to take the lead soon after that, never really looked back. But I think that we have seen Baron Sorrell unlock just now. I do think Jade Barron was the defensive player of the game, though. Yeah, it was a good day if you're named Barron. Either your first name or last name has yeah. Barron. You uh, you were getting some stuff done. Yeah, Jade Barron was spectacular. That guy was all over the field for Texas, and he made a couple of huge plays to stop some other drives for Wyoming. Uh, yeah, both guys really, really good, and uh, we know what both of those young men are capable of. So, once again, hopefully we see more of that in Waco, but also throughout conference play because i think texas is going to need those two dudes to be at their best to uh to make a run to the big 12 title and hopefully a run to the playoff too yeah barry uh maybe you can help answer this question because obviously your son was speaking very confidently in the preseason and i love that he had a breakout campaign in 2022 and perhaps he was putting a little bit too much pressure on himself at times so have you noticed a difference in his voice that he was uh really able to finally break through and have one of those game-changing plays that's you think he's really going to settle in now, right now and uh, really start to wreck shop like he's expected to since game one? Mm-hmm. I like that question. I think Barry will say two sacks every game, which, hey, sign me up for that. I'll, yeah. take, I'll take one sack out of Baron Sorrell every game. And that's that's something Texas has been good at. I know we're shifted gears and getting to some other stuff here in a moment, but uh, Texas has eight sacks through three games. They're on pace for 34, which would be their most in eight years, I think. So, not setting the world on fire i don't think people will be talking about this pass rush being the best pass rush in school history but they're off to a better start in a number of different ways than they have in in recent years so good to see baron sorrell obviously ethan burke has been great anthony hill the true freshman has made some things happen in his young career and hell the interior of the defensive line is is getting a lot done not only against the run but uh in terms of pass rushing as well so yeah the d-line expected it to be a strength of the team i had some questions about edge but so far those have been answered pretty positively, which is which is great news. All right. Yeah. What do we want to get to next? Do we want to do the NFL stuff? Do we want to do the uh, airport video? So you said we have another airport video, which I can't even tell if you're kidding anymore, but I have to take it as truth because it's like people are losing their damn minds in the airports over the last couple of months. Let's go airport video before NFL news. All right. Let's... Let's backtrack here because you mentioned it. There have been a few incidents, hell, more than a few incidents of folks going BS crazy at airports or on airplanes in recent weeks. You had the he's not real freak out by the woman leaving DFW. You had the shit sprayer on the flight from Atlanta to Barcelona where they had to make an emergency landing because it was a biohazard because a woman had diarrhea on the plane. Just dripping everywhere. Yeah, the video we played yesterday with the uh, Instagram famous chick calling other people bums because they weren't Instagram famous, and she got kicked off that flight. And then now, this one did not take place on an actual plane. This one took place... At DFW Airport. Yeah, another incident at DFW Airport. Maybe it's time to fly Love Field, people. Uh, This was a video, a little bit of audio to accompany this. It was taken yesterday at DFW. Do not be creepy. Do not be creepy. There's a naked guy in the airport. Yes, there is. My man. Yeah. Whoa. So if you're listening on the app, what the filmer said was 100% accurate. There is literally a naked man walking the concourse at DFW Airport. He's got no luggage. He's got no drink. He's got no Sbarro pizza. It's authentic New York style right there. He's got no magazine. He is literally just walking, more like stumbling, 
his way through DFW Airport in the middle of the day yesterday. How the hell does that even happen? Like, was that not a radio stunt or something? How does somebody end up completely naked walking through an airport disheveled like that? Like, you don't even have any place that you can do that. I guess you could sneak into the bathroom stall in the men's room, but this is bizarre. This is maybe the strangest of all of these incidents because at least the people in the other situations, my goodness, thank good, thank God in the case of the biohazard incident, the other two crazies were at least clothed at the time. But this got to be completely naked like that walking through the concourse. We need, just like with the biohazard, we need some sort of additional explanation here. Yeah, it was a very slow, wobbly walk, too, which leads me to believe the guy had spent his previous 48 hours at one of the airport bars, right? Like, this dude was clearly inebriated. And, yeah, I I think your theory is the only plausible one, right? Like, he just went to the bathroom, took off his clothes, left him there because he's not carrying the clothes in this video. And once again, he has no luggage with him. He just took off his clothes in the bathroom, left him there, and just felt like he needed to take a stroll through the airport. So I have two alternate explanations here. Okay. One, he is a time traveler and has been sent back in time from a future war with the robots to try and head things off at the past to keep the war from with the robots from ever occurring, a la Terminator, mm-hmm. where Arnie shows up completely naked in the present from decades in the future. So that's one possibility. There were a couple of heads showing in the the video we just played, if that's what you're talking about. Couple of what? Couple of heads showing. What heads? Head. Head down there. Head up here. Head down there. Oh, was there a junk shot? Well, not necessarily in the video, but the guy was nude, so... There was as smooth as a Ken doll down there. You don't know. You don't have that photographic evidence. Perhaps in the future, nobody has genitalia anymore. Okay. I I feel confident in saying that that theory is wrong. So I am fascinated to hear what your second theory is. (laughs) The second theory. Do you remember the classic 1990s film starring Brendan Fraser called Encino Man? No, never heard of it. Encino Man, also starring Polly Shore, back when Polly had the hair of a beautiful woman, was about a caveman who got frozen thousands of years prior. And that frozen piece of ice ended up remaining as such with him encapsulated in the ice all the way up until modern times when he dethawed in Polly Shore's presence and became Encino Man, where he's just this complete caveman who is trying to adapt to our current situation with the guided assistance of one Polly Shore. Perhaps this guy is a caveman. He looks kind of Neanderthal. So maybe he is a caveman who has just dethawed and is wondering what all of this modern technology is around him. So he's either a guy from the future or a guy from the past. That's right. Those are my two theories. And he might not have genitalia. He might be as smooth as a Ken doll down there or a Barbie doll. I feel like we would have known, right? Like somebody would have gotten that shot if there was nothing there. Maybe. It'd be a cultural phenomenon right there if that's what was going down at DFW yesterday. What would that identify as? Hmm. Hmm. Whatever they want. It's your question. I guess it I guess it depends. Does he have a cloaca? Bless you. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Uh, we should we should just move on. <laughs> I, I am All feeling right. extra silly today. So if you're, I'm if you're, you're, yeah, if you're saying Corey, that Corey, I'm a dumbass. Uh, if you're saying that, then uh, yeah, we should definitely move on. All right, a few more shout outs to some of our great sponsors. Uh, our friends at Olipop. I was down in the lemon lime flavor this morning during Bucky and BK. Got a few more in the fridge. We probably down in another one or two before the day is over. Olipop, this stuff is legit. It's a new kind of soda. It's a great tasting soda that's actually good for you. Yeah, they figured this thing out and they've got it down 
to a science. Inside every can, you're getting nine grams of fiber. Inside of every can, only a couple of grams of sugar, very few calories. And they've got plant fibers and prebiotics and botanicals. I don't know how it works. I don't know what any of those words mean. I just know that every time I drink Olipop, number one, I'm enjoying it. Number two, my digestive health is getting better. That's what it is. It's not only a soda that's not bad for you. It's a great tasting soda that's really good for you. I bought a few at Target yesterday. They've got them at Target, Walmart, HEB, Costco, Whole Foods, wherever you get your groceries. Make sure you look for Olipop. This thing got me back into soda. It might do the same for you. Or hey, if you are a soda drinker, but you've been looking for a healthier alternative, I'm talking about something healthy being good. You know, it must actually be good. Olipop, this stuff might change your life. Shout out to them. We appreciate their support here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And shout out to Covert Bee Cave as well. We've mentioned them a couple of times. Love the folks at Covert Bee Cave. We've got the Covert Bee Cave Studios. Bucky and I will be there this Saturday doing our pregame show. And of course, the Fridays before every home game, our pregame Longhorn Luncheon featuring a legendary lifetime Longhorn. None of those this week, of course, road game. But we'll be back out there next Friday, the day before the KU game with another great guest coming your way. So hang out with us next Friday. More importantly for now, in the meantime, if you're looking for a car, truck, or SUV, no better place than Covert Bee Cave. A lot of these lots around the city, they're where are the cars? There's one car per 30 parking spots. Uh, they've got a ton of selection out there at Covert Bee Cave, plus great people working there as well. Say hello to Dan. Say hello to Stacy. Say hello to Mike. They'll take care of you like they've taken care of us. Shout out to our friends at Covert Bee Cave. Dude, somebody is just bringing up another option for this naked guy in the airport, DJ, one of our regular contributors on the YouTube comments line. He says, Conehead, which implies something not of this earth. Is it? Is there a possibility, considering all of the UFO sightings that we've been hearing about for the last few years now, and our own federal government holding hearings with regards to the possibility of alien life form. Is it possible that this was a non-human figure that we saw walking through DFW yesterday? Okay, that theory makes a little bit more sense than your other two theories. The Terminator theory makes a lot of sense. I realize I threw it off the rails by suggesting that he was as smooth as a Ken doll down there, but that one makes sense too, damn it. I got to watch the Terminator tonight to refresh my memory on exactly what happened because I do believe that is based on a true story, so that uh, that could check out. Well, the war with the robots is happening at some point, so we know oh. they've got that part of it right. Yeah, yeah, that's good predicting stuff. That's family guy level of uh, prediction right there from the governor. <laughs> Um, interesting. Yeah. Like I'm letting the people know right now and I'm letting you know, Trey, because I know you will have zero problem with this one show in the off season will be an hour about aliens and whether or not they are here and all of the videos and audios that we have either confirming or denying the belief that there are extraterrestrial life forms on this planet. Dude, I am so, I don't care if this isn't on Midday with Trey and BK. Let me be a part of that hour. If it's someplace else on <laughs> Texas Sports Unfiltered schedule, I want to be on that show. Oh, man. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. That, that'll either be our most watched or least watched show we ever do. I'm not uh, entirely sure how the people Since feel about Terminator that. Terminator movie, CB. Holy shit. Boy, they have gotten really lazy with the script over the last few. I mean, Terminator 2 is an all-timer for me. Legitimately one of my five or ten favorite movies of all time. First R-rated movie that I saw in the theaters, too, by the way. Hmm. What was the first R-rated movie you ever saw not in theaters? Was there one before the theater? I don't know if the original Airplane was rated R or not. That was definitely the first movie that I saw boobs. I don't know. Maybe a Jaws, if Jaws was rated R. Okay. Or... The Big Easy, it was with Ellen Barkin and Dennis Quaid. No, that was probably a little bit after some of the other R-rated movies I was watching. Porky's maybe up there. If you ever see Porky's, that was definitely ahead of your time. No, I don't know what that one is either. And I also didn't even know there was a Terminator 2. Oh, Terminator 2, it's good stuff. I know over the years, 
I'm not sure if you and I bring back the movie reviews once we get to the football offseason, but over the years, I have helped to introduce you to some movies that you've learned that you loved in the moment and continue to love over time. Goodwill Hunting, one of those. Yep. Came around on Fight Club, thank goodness, because I was really starting to ask some questions after your initial rating of that one. Terminator and 2 is a great flick, especially for you as somebody who is as keen on the war with robots that is going to happen at some point, highly recommend it. And you have to remember that this is a movie that came out in the early 90s and it still holds up. Jay Ward asks, how do you not know about Terminator 2? Dude, I don't even know about Testament 2, okay? We don't do sequels. My people were all about the originals, all right? That's our bit. So that's why. I don't know about a lot of these sequels, man. Not my thing. Did you just say you don't know about the New Testament? Oh, is that what it's called? I thought it was Testament 2. Sorry about that. I was at Shoal last weekend. I'll be there again this weekend. I uh, didn't see anything from the second one there. That's on me. Mm. That's on me. All right, before we get to where we at in society today to wrap up what has been a very off-the-rails but fun show, uh, this segment has a new sponsor, and we love them. Shout out to the people at Pest Wranglers. Trey, our guy Steve, runs a great show over there, and he can help out everybody listening. That is right. Love, Steve, and Pest Wranglers. Thank you so much for your support, Steve. They have a motto at Pest Wranglers, effective, reliable, affordable. And they stand by each and every one of those things. Effective because they will get rid of whatever the pest is that is causing you a problem around your home or place of business. The affordable part speaks for itself. They're not going to gouge you price-wise. Reliable, that's maybe the most important one because Steve puts a heavy emphasis on people as he has continued to operate pest wranglers for so many different years now. He makes sure to treat his employees first class and he makes sure that whether he's out in the field or one of his employees is, that they are treating the customers first class as well. It's why Pest Wranglers has so many five-star reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. Check it out for yourself and then go to pestwranglers.com to schedule that service. Pest Wranglers, a proud or maybe a willing sponsor of Where Are We At in Society? Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is our regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction, BK. Occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day as I give the Kembe Matumbo finger wag. <laughs> and it is a dealer's choice for today's Where Are We At, BK. I'm going to give you headlines and you decide the story. We start with the weirdly relatable reasons so many of us fake our orgasms. Okay. Hundreds of people who identify as dogs gather in city center. <laughs> All right, we only have seven minutes left. There's not enough time for that one. So we're coming back to that another day. All right, we got through the farting dog story yesterday. And then we also have Pizzeria Defense charging $16 to slice birthday cake. Quote, it's a service. Faking so orgasms, people who identify as dogs gathering in city center, or a pizzeria defending charging 16 bucks to cut birthday cake. Let's go door number one. Why do people fake orgasms? And are they talking about men too? Like that's that's obviously a very known female bit, but are we doing that stuff too? I don't know. You tell me. Is that so, is that a part of your game? No. No, no, no. I'm I'm honest with it. If it happens, they'll know. If it doesn't happen, they'll know. I'm yelling. <laughs> you want to give us like a, a a face shot here? Like what your face looks like when this is going down? When it doesn't happen? When it does? Get out! <laughs> well, this does include men, apparently. A new study has found that 40% of sexually active men and women often fake orgasms. But there's a specific reason why they do. They do it because of their significant other's bad breath. Oh, 
From researchers in the September 2023 survey conducted by Health and Wellness Imprint Inner Body Research, quote, there are several reasons, both physical and psychological, that might make it difficult for you to reach orgasm and you decide to fake one. The number one hindrance to having an orgasm for our participant was their partner's breath. The specialists surveyed over 1,000 adults to explore current trends in romantic relationships and sexual preferences. The poll showed a whopping 46% of women confessed to falsifying their orgasms, while 38% of men owned up to phoning in a phony release. I guess you're doing this. It's been so long since I've had to use condoms as a married guy, thank goodness. I guess you can get away with it if you're wearing the condom and the cleanup becomes much more simple at that point. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But even still, that's a very strange thing for a guy to fake. Bad breath. Now, I have faked other things to get out of intercourse, sometimes because of bad smells. Hmm. Catch my drift. But I've never faked being finished. I've faked like, oh, my stomach hurts, or I've got a headache, or whatever. Like, just something. Oh, my phone's, I got to take this. Like, it's my friend, he just called twice. Must be an emergency because he only calls twice in a row if something's going on. Like, something like that. But I've never been like, oh, I'm done to stop. It's always been if I've had to stop, which I, I try not to, uh, like, I, I leave. I leave the room altogether because I'm, I'm out. Well, I'm glad you've given some of the, the ways that you use to get out of sex altogether, even though this is dealing with faking orgasms because... Some of what you just talked about shows up as a reason why somebody might fake an orgasm. Other reasons why people listed why they faked orgasms, men and women, not getting out of the sex, actually faking the orgasm has to do with painful sexual positions, Mm. harsh room temperatures, bad (laughs) lighting. What is bad lighting? The lights being too bright. And then overthinking as their top obstacles in the bedroom And one person went as far to say that she had to fake an orgasm with a guy because he kept farting during coitus. And there was no way that she was going to get over that mental hurdle. I would suggest that it's time to stop things altogether if some dude is just blowing ass (laughs) in the middle of that process. That's vile. Blowing ass. Fake the orgasm because a guy kept breaking wind. I believe we call blowing ass a rim job, Trey. I, I don't I don't know if it means what you were talking about there. Uh, yeah, that's a bad bit. That's that's you leave. That's like you, you got to stop doing that, and then you walk out the door. You don't need to fake anything. Because then if you fake that, that guy's going to be like, oh, this must turn her on. I'm going to keep farting next time because it got her to the finish. We also have a breakdown of how generations or whether or not they are for uh, faking orgasms with regularity and you are squarely in that millennial generation congratulations because your generation is more guilty of it than anybody half of millennials who were researched here who were asked these questions admitted to faking orgasms regularly 27% of Gen Zers. You're worse than Gen Zers on this. Your group needs to get it together, dude. Regularly. 20% of Gen Xers, which is my generation, are guilty of faking it. Regularly? For, yeah, it's 48% is the actual number. But essentially, every other time, I mean, it's a coin flip as to whether or not the millennial that you're hooking up with is actually going to get theirs. I'm going to turn this shit into no country for old men. Like, flip a coin after I'm done. If it's heads, that means I was good. If it's tails, I guess I'm screwed. I'm going to have to bring back the cattle prod bit, considering what that guy used to uh, get things done in that movie. Oh, my God. That is... Man, who did they interview here? You said just a thousand random people? Yeah, I mean, it was people of different ages and sexes, obviously. So they interviewed people going all the way up to 50 and all the way down into uh, the 18 age range, which is what Gen Zers are, I believe. Look at this comment. The new Dr. Ruths. Who knew? Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll give you some Dr. Ruths if you wait long enough on this show.
Man, that is, I like, I guess I don't really care, right? I feel like most guys don't actually care that much. Like our, our goal is take care of ourselves. And then- no, I, I, I completely disagree with that. Completely disagree with that. What do you mean? I, I don't care about myself in that situation. I want to make sure for the last 11 to 12 years, it's been Justine, but I want to make sure that she gets hers. I do not care nearly as much if I get mine. Uh, that's weird. Is it? Yeah. I'm always so, accused of being a selfish asshole. This is one situation where I'm not being the selfish asshole here. No, you're not a selfish a-hole. You're just an idiot for thinking this way. Two very different things. So what do you, when she goes to sleep, do you go to the bathroom and pull a Mel Tucker? Like, what do you, what do you do? No, I'll eventually get mine too. After, after we make sure the, uh, the first fortune cookie is taken care of. If you catch my drift. <laughs> oh man, I am dying alone. Aren't I? That, that sounds miserable. That sounds miserable, but Hey, oh, another married guy. Return on investment indeed, my friend. Hey, what's not miserable is getting to listen to these next two. Chip Brown, Zay Collier, little Chip and Zay from one to three. A reminder, Fire the Cannon comes your way from three to five. In a video about our 5K subscriber giveaway, I'll post it tonight to give you more information about how you can be entered to win some great, great prizes. But we are done. It is now time for Chip and Zay. Fellas, take it away.